Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. About 22 days after you were conceived, a little electrical pulse stimulated the atria of your heart and began the flow of blood. It's called the atrial kick. And it has continued to do that moment after moment, day after day, month after month, year after year to this very day. Approximately 100,000 beats a day. 36 and a half million times a year. And you didn't even break a sweat. (laughs) It's an amazing thing, this creation that God gave us of our heart. It it, it works without us even thinking about it. Just imagine if you had to think about keeping your heart pumping. (laughs) It It just does it. It's an incredible thing that God made this incredible organ called the heart. And not only did he give you a physical heart, he also gave you what is called maybe a spiritual heart. The Bible talks about it a lot. There's the, it's the inner you, the inner me. It's that part of you that it's the decisive part of your life. It is, it is, the Bible refers to it as, as the act of the will. It is, it's where you make the decisions. It's where you make the choices of your life. It's the thing that sets your affections and your desires. It is that part of you deep within that actually chooses and sets the direction for your life. And in the same way that your physical heart provides that life-giving stream every single day, so does your heart, your spiritual heart. And that's why the writer to Proverbs, the writer of the Proverbs wrote this. He said, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of your life. If you do nothing else, all the other things that you occupy yourself with, all the other things that you give your time and attention and energy to, above all else, make sure that you guard your heart because it's from there that your whole life springs forward. Jesus was asked on a number of occasions, but on one particular occasion, what is the greatest commandment? And his response was, and it was always his response when he was asked that question, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's called the greatest commandment. Then for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at each aspect of that commandment. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and loving your neighbor yourself. This morning, I want to start with the heart. And this whole series kind of came out of conversations and discussions we were having on leadership team. Because we have said that our mission as a church is to help unchurched people become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at seeing just God's hand of blessing on so many things in the, in the life of this church in the last year and a half especially. But just, just Larry, Pastor Larry shared about it a, uh, last month. Just the number of things. It's just amazing what God has been doing among us. And that's, it's incredible stuff. And we're just so excited about all of that to see what God is doing. But part of the question comes back, yeah, but how are we doing on our mission? 
Because if, if we're about making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ, how do you measure that? Do you measure that by, by church attendance? Do you measure that by, by baptism? Do you measure that by giving? Do you remember by how many butts in seats and people in classrooms? You know, how do you measure the heart? Because you see, your physical heart, you can measure that. You can hook it up to an EKG, and you, you'll get an idea of how well it's beating. You, you can listen to the heart. You can have a CT scan. You can have an MRI and actually watch the heart as it pumps. You can, there's all kinds of ways to be able to measure the health of your physical heart. How do you measure the health of your spiritual heart? And that's the question we've been asking ourselves. What does that look like for a church as a whole? But, but more importantly, when it gets down to your life and mine, what does that look like? The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, what we have as our New Testament, is a, it's just a bunch of, mostly a lot of, a lot of letters that he wrote to different churches. And he wrote this one letter to a church in Colossae. And he wrote these words. It's in chapter 1, if you want to follow along. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Because I think this kind of encapsulates, not, it's not exhaustive, but it pretty much encapsulates what a whole heart, of heart, a wholehearted follower looks like. He says, because this is my prayer for you. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into this kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then he finishes with these thoughts, verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He said, this is my prayer for you. This is, this is what I long for. This is what a wholehearted follower looks like. This is what, these are the things that I want to see God do in your life. This is my, my desire for you. This is what a wholehearted follower looks like. And this morning, we're going to take some time and look just at a few of these. And the question that I want to ask you through all of this is just yourself, how's my heart? Because as we go through these measurements of a wholehearted follower, I want you to be asking yourself the question, how's my heart in this regard? Not the person next to you, okay? This isn't for you to rate and judge them on how they're doing. This isn't about the family member that you left at home sleeping in bed because they wouldn't get up and go to church with you this morning. Okay, this is about you, okay? Just between you and God. I want you to ask yourself, by these measurements, how's my heart? And by the way, if you're here this morning and you would consider yourself not really there yet, you're, you're, just, you're in a spiritually seeking mode, if you will, that you're just, you just are kind of learning and wanting to find out more about God and about faith and those things. We are committed as a church to be a safe place where you can come and do that. And so maybe you're not there yet, but for those of us, any of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, here's some of the questions to be asking yourselves when it comes to, how's my heart? What does a wholehearted follower look like? 
one of the things is wholehearted followers consistently pursue a life with God. That God isn't a side issue. He isn't an afterthought. He is the center of my life. Paul put it this way. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. In other words, that I am learning and growing and deciding based on God's direction for my life. That I am pursuing ways that would honor Him and, and please Him. That it would be that God sets the agenda for my life. That His, His morals and His values become my morals and my values. That I make choices in my life based on trust in Him. That He is the center. That He is 100% my pursuit. Now, let me say up front... We are all at different stages in this journey of faith. Some of us are a little bit further along than others. Some of us are brand new to this whole thing. Some of us have been in this for a long time. Some of us have had ups and downs through this whole process. So it's not so much where you are right now. The question is, what is the direction that I'm heading? Because what he wants from us is a wholehearted following. I've been reading a book, actually interesting, just found out about it after we'd already decided on this, but this, the book hasn't even come out yet. I just saw a few previews of it. It's called All In. And the author talks about how there was this um, young man in their church that just went all in, and he just was just consumed with following Christ and, and living in God-honoring life and, and being involved and serving and all of these things. And, and his mom became worried about him and came and met with the pastor and said, you know, I'd like you to... Didn't Jesus say all things in moderation? You need to teach him mod- Moderation. Well, no, Jesus didn't say that, first of all. <laughs> and that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a wholehearted devotion. So let me be really, really clear around here. What do we expect of people who call themselves Christ followers? We expect 100% wholehearted devotion to Christ. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're encouraging. That's what we want to help people find. Because you discover when you get into that flow, that is the best way to live. It really is. It's sometimes hard. It is sometimes challenging. It is sometimes uncomfortable because it forces me to do things I don't want to do. But it is the best way to live. Do you know what the fastest growing religion in America is today? It's not Christianity. It's not Buddhism or Hinduism. It's not even atheism. A man named Christian Smith um, He's a researcher. Actually, he's a sociologist, Notre Dame University. And he actually wrote a book about America's search for spirituality. And he coined this term. It's not, a, not an official religion, but when you interview everybody and you, and you kind of get a sense of through all the research that they did, well, he coined the term, the fastest growing religion in America today is moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's a mouthful, I know. MTD for short. And he says the general belief is, although it's not really written down anywhere, the general belief is that, yes, there is a God. That's the deism part. There is a God who created and watches over humanity. Okay? That's the deism part. And he wants us to be good and to be nice and to be fair with each other. But he doesn't really make any demands on our life. (laughs) And he really is not all that involved unless there's a problem and you can call on him. 
Okay, But other than that, he just kind of stands back and watches it all. Because the number one goal in moralistic, therapeutic determinism, uh, deism is this. It is to be happy and to feel good about myself. That is the fastest growing religion in America. And he says one of their findings was that some of the greatest preponderance of that is in Christian churches. People who would call themselves Christ followers, but in truth, they are simply therapeutic, moralistic deists. Because you see, that's not what Christ called us to. He called us to be wholehearted followers. Wholehearted followers says, my rights, my agenda, my choices all submit themselves to you, God. You are the one who's the center of my life. And everything else revolves around you. I give you my life 100%. Now, let me think, think about this with me. I have never heard of anybody go on a job interview, and at the interview, the potential employer would say, well, what we really expect out of you is about five or six good hours of work a day. You don't get that when you go on a job interview. I can guarantee you, Jim Harbaugh is not in the locker room right now telling his players, give me a good 90% today, will you guys? He wants 100%. I mean, just think, if on my wedding day, I stood in front of my friends and my family in front of that pastor, and I recited the vows that went something along the lines of to love and to cherish, keeping mostly to you as long as we both shall live. <laughs> How long do you think my marriage would last? Not very long. It would probably have ended right then and there. See, what God wants from us is total devotion. Now, we might all be at different stages in this whole journey of faith, but the question is, how's my heart and what is the direction I am heading? Because my heart is the center of my will. It is the It is the life from which I make all the choices of my life. And that's what it is. It's simply the choice to set a direction for my life and then to consistently pursue that life for the rest of my life. Will we all get there on this life? No. None of us will. You are not there yet. Take my word for it. If you don't believe me, ask your husband, ask your wife. They will be happy to tell you you are not there. But are you heading in that direction? See, that's where baptism becomes so important. And that's why we celebrate baptism around here. In fact, if you have not been baptized, that is a very important step. Because in baptism, what I do is I stand before my church family and I say, I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know the directions it's going to take me in my life. But I do know this. I am making a decision here and now in front of all of you to say, for the rest of my life, this is the direction I am heading. I'm going to pursue My life with God. And if you are at the very beginning stages of that and have not been baptized, please, let me encourage you. we got a baptism coming up. Get baptized. Make that stand. Make that choice and set that direction. If you're still in that beginning process, maybe you've made that decision, but, but you don't know what the next step is, we've got a class around here we call Next. And it's all about next steps, how you can pursue a life with God. And it's going to be offered in a couple of weeks. Encourage you, check that out. Because wholehearted followers are constantly and consistently pursuing their life with God. Wholehearted followers are also faithfully participating in acts of service. 
Because wholehearted followers understand it's not just about me and my relationship with God. That I have a part to play in his kingdom work in this world. That I have a contribution to make to those around me and their growth and their development. And wholehearted followers understand that. That I've got to to participate in this. I have something to offer. Paul put it this way. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. See, it pleases God when we serve others. It pleases God when we serve his kingdom. What makes a church great is when the people that are part of that church family say, how can I help? What can I do? What contribution can I make? I want to be involved. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. And, when, and when, the, when the people of a church family and a church body understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves and they actually have a contribution to make to this church family, it begins to grow and deepen your heart for God. You are uniquely shaped for ministry. Do you know that your heartbeat is totally unique from anybody else's? So much so that they're actually doing research now as to how your heart might become your password for online stuff. No, it's as unique as your fingerprint. And it'll save you all that grief of trying to remember all those different passwords that you have or don't have because you keep using the same one, even though everybody tells you don't use the same password, but you forget all the other ones, okay? That's why you can... But your heartbeat is so unique, they're actually looking for ways that that can be incorporated to be your password because it's so unique. God has uniquely shaped not only your physical heart, he has uniquely shaped your spiritual heart. You are uniquely shaped by him to serve him. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church this, we are God's handiwork, that means work of art, especially formed, uniquely shaped, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is our expectation around here as wholehearted followers that you serve. You have something to contribute to the body of Christ. And your wholehearted following of Him should result in your wholehearted serving Him as well. And not just in the body, but out in our community. Because that's what God designed you to do. You have a contribution to make in this world for the kingdom of God. And it's not just about putting in a few volunteer hours. It's about wholehearted serving. And if you don't know where to start, in a couple of weeks we're going to have a ministry fair. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to love the Lord with all your strength. And there'll be all kinds of different opportunities to let you know all the different ministries that are going on here and all the ways that you can get a part of one of those. And we're going to give you time to explore that. We also have another class called The Journey in which we help people understand how has God uniquely shaped you? What gifts has he given to you? What, what, what makes your heart beat like none, nothing else? How, how has God used your personal experiences to, to make you the person you are so you have something now to contribute to somebody else? Because wholehearted followers engage in acts of serving. And it goes beyond here. It goes into our daily lives. So that we, because what God really wants to do is develop in us a servant's heart. 
that not just when we're at church, but, but when we're out in our, in our work or in, in our neighborhoods or in our school or even in our home, that we are looking for ways to serve. And we're constantly asking the question, how can I help you? What do you need from me? How can I make a difference for you? Wholehearted followers understand that God's heart is a servant's heart. And a servant's heart is what my heart needs to become. And wholehearted followers engage in passionate expressions of worship. Worship becomes so absolutely essential to your life. Because it's about your communion with God. It's about expressing yourself before Him. And it's not about being casual about it. Like I show up on Sunday morning, I sing a few songs, I listen to some guy give a talk, I say amen, I check the box, done for the week. It's about engaging in worship, fully engaged. Paul put it this way, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people. Joyful thanks. Engage, celebrating, gratitude. In all of my years of of marriage counseling with couples, one of the things that I have noticed is when a marriage begins to deteriorate, when it begins to fall apart, one of the first things to go is taking time to express to each other, I love you. I've just noticed that. That over the years, when marriages begin to disintegrate, it usually starts with just getting casual about saying, I love you. See, we need in our human relationships to convey that because it strengthens the bond. It it deepens the relationship when we say on a regular basis to one another, I love you. You matter to me. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. If we are just casual and nonchalant and complacent about worship, then that's where our relationship with God will go. Wholehearted followers understand the importance of worship and making that a priority, both together in corporate worship like we do on Sunday mornings and on the weekends and and throughout our lives. But, But there is something about expressing our love and our devotion and our gratitude and our thanks that, that deepens and ties the bonds of the relationship closer together. And that's why we do it. We do it because we need it. Not, not because God needs to hear it from us, but we need to hear ourselves say it. It deepens our relationship with Him. And regular times of worship kind of reset, reboot, if you will, my life each week. Because I get through all the stuff of life, and I kind of lose, lose sight of what's really important. And it becomes kind of this touchstone thing to it. And it keeps me focused on what's really, really important. And that there is a God who is in charge. And all the stuff that I've worried about all week long, really, my life is in His hands. And He's been faithful in the past, and He'll get me through this, whatever it might be. Or, or He's just brought me through something, and I just can't help but sing His praises and give Him thanks. That's what worship does. And and it's not, again, it's not a casual, I went there, I sang the songs and checked off the box. It's being passionate about that. just, Just by the way, just kind of on the side, if you showed up at work the way you show up at church on a Sunday morning, how long do you think you would keep that job? I'm just saying, okay? 
Because it's a pretty good measurement. And this is not to judge anybody else, but this is just between you and God. What is my attitude towards regular worship with God's people say about my heart? Because it's telling you something. I, I talked about this a couple of years ago, I think it was, and, and, and just mentioned, you know, you know, people don't show up to a football game like that. You know, they get there like a couple hours early. They have a whole tailgate party. In fact, they, they party so much, they even miss the game, some of them, okay? But, but they are devoted to their team. And, and I talked about that it was a couple of years ago, three or four years ago now. And, and actually, the very next Sunday, we had one of our community groups had a tailgate party out here in the parking lot before church. I thought that was pretty cool. They only did it once, but it was pretty cool, you know? Now, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, what is your attitude and what is your approach and your anticipation of corporate worship say about your heart? Because wholehearted followers are passionate in expressions of worship. And wholehearted followers actively share their faith with others. They're not the most articulate people. They don't get it right every time. They don't have all the answers to anybody's questions, but there is something so in them about what God is doing in their life that they cannot keep it to themselves. They've got to tell people about it. Wholehearted followers have this ongoing relationship with God that is just so current and so fresh that it just kind of spills out, not in an obnoxious way, not in a preachy way, not in a Bible-thumping, pound people over the head with it kind of way, but just out of the overflow of their heart about what God's going doing in their own lives. They just can't help talking about that. And sometimes I think all that's going on, but we, we don't know how to say it, so we say nothing. But wholehearted followers understand, this is not something for me to keep to myself. This is something that God wants for the whole world. That God's heart for people needs to become my heart for people. And I really want to kind of drive this home a little bit this morning. I saw this this week, and it really helped me kind of really firm it up. So what I'd like you to do is pull out your wallet or your pocketbook, or, or your phone, whatever it is. And what I want you to do is pull out a picture of someone that you love. Okay, if it's on your phone, if it's in your, uh, you know, whatever, you, you, pocketbook, purse, wallet, whatever it is, go ahead, pull it out. I'll give you some time. Pull out a picture of somebody. Now, if all you have is your wallet, and the only picture you have is you on your driver's license, <laughs> that'll do for this morning, okay? But open it up to a picture and just turn to the person next to you, show them the picture and say, this is somebody I really care about. Go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. And if you're a grandparent, you can show how much cuter your grandkids are than all the others, okay? Okay, put them away now. Now, let me just ask you, when you did that, did just something in your heart kind of go, you know, I really do love that person? Did, didn't something just kind of well up inside of you? Say, that, that person matters to me. How do you think God feels when he looks at humanity and he doesn't see a vast sea of nameless faces? He sees people that are important to him. Now let me ask you this question. How many here would say, there is at least one person in my life that I love that I am concerned about their spiritual well-being? Raise your hand. 
See, that's God's heart. That's God's heart. So much so, so much so that he wholeheartedly pursued you. He wholeheartedly has pursued them. See, that's what Paul says. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Once you were alienated from God, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. God went all in for you. He held nothing back. He came and rescued you from that dangerous path of destruction that you were on and you didn't even know it, where it was leading you. And he paid a ransom in his own son, giving his life 100% to redeem you, buy you back from the sin that was destroying your life. And he has reconciled you now so you can have a relationship with him. God went all in for you. He is fully devoted to you. Fully devoted to you. So how can I turn around and say, that's real nice. I'll give you 75%. See, he wants your whole heart. And I will be honest. Most of my life, as I look at it day in and day out, is a pretty divided heart. I have other desires. I have other urgencies. I have other things that call on my time and my energy and my devotion, all those things all the time. But I made a decision years ago. I said, God, I want you to have all my heart. I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea where that's going to take me. But I know that's the direction I want for my life. And I have got to remind myself (laughs) on a daily basis about that decision. But I have never regretted it. He went all in for you so that you could go all in for him. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.